Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. And we're here to talk to you about uh, one of the fine sponsors of Front Row Knowles, and that is the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been with us for the last couple of years. Uh, many of you may have sampled it for the first time during the spring game. Uh, if so, the news was good. They had the biggest crowd they've ever had in there, and uh, from the stories I heard, things went well. Feedback was uh, off the charts in terms of the uh, – it was a great day to be outside, a great day to be inside, all the food, all the drink, all the uh, t- uh, televisions. You, you couldn't miss the action because of all the glass. I mean, there were a number of people – that spent their first game at Doak Campbell Stadium at the Champions Club during that spring game, and uh, they'll be back, and you need to join them. 644-1830 is how you can get some more information or tickets. Uh, you can buy season tickets. Obviously, a great home schedule this year. They've also got three-game packs this year, so you can uh, truly sample it uh, before you make the, the the five-year commitment, I guess, to buy the, buy the season tickets. But it, it's worth checking out. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about Florida State football for obvious reasons, and this is one of them very much so and remember with your champions club seats you get opportunity to be in the club on friday come back on sunday uh, you can make it a weekend visit to the weekend destination you'll enjoy it what he said now here's front row Knowles. broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row Knowles with tom block and keith jones front row Knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Good evening, everybody. Happy Hump Day. KJ is on the road today. So is our Seminoles.com insider. They will both join us here momentarily. Tom Block with you. Florida State football has been on the road this week, as you know, and we will have the complete update from Tim momentarily. But first, I say hello to my partner in talk, I suppose I should say. KJ, how are you? I'm doing well, Tommy. How about you? Good. Can we disclose where you are or what you're doing, or is it all confidential? Uh, let's call it confidential and everybody will be thinking I'm working. How about that? Well, you've been fooling them all these years. Might as well continue for another week. Tim Linnefeld is on the line as well. Now, Tim, with these early morning practices, has been what? which beach have you been going to down there in the Sarasota-Bradenton area? Are you out there at uh, Anna Maria Island, or where have you been hanging out after practice, Tim? Yeah, I've been hanging out uh, in my hotel room, working and writing, transcribing and doing a bunch of stuff. I haven't had a chance to get to the beach, though, which I'm actually really disappointed about. I'm hoping uh, maybe to to get over there tonight, but it's not looking good so far. That was such a not, not a good answer, Tim. we got to work I, on you, You're telling me. It hurt to say it. Yeah, I bet it did. So, uh, KJ and, and I, uh, we don't do this too often, but he's on the road. You're on the road. You're you're really the man with the info. You're a Seminoles.com insider. What's just your general impressions been uh, as, I guess, we're three-quarters of the way through the whole IMG experiment, if you want to call it that? Uh, you know, it's it's been good. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of is made out of the, the overall location. But what's really kind of stood out to me, I think, is just how much uh, the team, I think, has enjoyed getting away from Tallahassee, getting away from home, and, and you know, all the kind of things that, that, that can go along with being there. And, and, you know, it really is obvious how you know, the guys, I mean, they're pretty much spending every waking moment together. And, you know, and if you're rooming with a guy, you're spending non-waking moments with him. Um, and so, it, you know, it's a, it's a lot of time together, a lot of familiarity, and you know, it's football practice, and sometimes in a football practice field, you know, familiarity can breed contempt, and then that can happen too, certainly at this time in fall camp. But, you know, they all come together in the right ways once it's all said and done. And, you know, I do think this is going to be uh, considered an overall positive experience. When last we talked, we were only two or three days into practice, so we didn't want to draw too many conclusions through just three practices. But now that we're this far in, a full week and a half with plenty of camp still to go, can we draw some conclusions about who looks really good and then maybe – 
you know, who hasn't shown up that we thought should be showing up at this point? Yeah, I man, you know, I I think you know, the guys I think really was good um, across the board in a number of positions is some of the freshmen. Uh, I know this is kind of the time when when hope sort of springs eternal for the freshmen, and we get really excited about that. But man, some of those guys really fit in uh, seemingly really well. I'll talk about the receivers: uh, Treshawn Harris and Warren Thompson, um, Keyshawn Helton, the guy who maybe didn't get as much buzz leading into uh, the fall camp in the signing class. He's been all over the place making plays. Uh, and then over on defense, you know, I look at, at some of those defensive backs, Isaiah Bold and A.J. Litton, Asante Samuel. Uh, they look really good. And, and, you know, my thought, I guess, and, and we'll see more as the season comes along. But, you know, when you talk about the idea of being really simple on offense and really simple on defense, uh, you know, maybe one of the upshots of that is that your first-year players can get a little bit more involved. It doesn't take them as long to learn the system, to learn what they're supposed to be doing. They can get out there and, and do kind of what they know to do. And I'm sure it'll get more complex and more difficult. And, you know, fr- freshmen everywhere across the country have freshman moments. So, and, and I suspect this group will be no, no different, you know, for the ones that, that play significant action. But so far, I mean, they get a lot of reps, uh, and they look like they belong out there. And so it's pretty cool to see. Tim, any separation in the quarterback uh, camp yet, or still too early to tell? Man, you're not going to like this, but I, it's really kind of hard to say. Uh, they all feel pretty close to me, uh, and I can tell you that uh, when, when Willie Taggart or Walt Bell say that they're all rotating with the, with the first, second, and third teams, I mean, that's really not lip service. I mean, I'm, I'm out there, and I see it. I mean, they really, really do, and it, it, it still seems pretty equal. Uh, I do know that uh, I, would, I would expect a little bit of movement uh, on that over the next week or so uh, as, as game week gets a little bit closer. I think Willie Taggart would like to have uh, some solidification at, at some different spots. Uh, you know, to you know, know who who he wants to be given more reps to, more meaningful reps to, uh, so that he can you know know the guys he's going to count on. So I, I still think it's a little early to tell, but but I think we're closer than we've been to uh, clarity. Well, apparently, Enter Sandman was playing today, which that's an indicator that Virginia Tech is quickly approaching on the horizon. So, uh, you know, what what has there been much media out at practice? I don't mean folks normally on the beat, but uh, Bay Area media from down there. I mean, has it felt a bigger deal? What's been different about practice there than when it's been here at FSU? Yes, it, there has been. You, know, you see some uh, some TV cameras from Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, folks from the Tampa Bay Times who. You know, they'll come up to Tallahassee occasionally. They've been there every day. And there's a few uh, FSU-based reporters who are, who live down in this area that have been out there. But, uh, you know, honestly, I'd say the overall media contingent, you know, it's probably a little bit smaller even than you're used to because it's just, you know, it's so easy for people to show up in Tallahassee or people, you know, who work, uh, you know, uh, you know, part-time basis or, or students or what have you. Um, it's easy to get to uh, cover the team in Tallahassee, but it's a little harder to go on the road for four or five days. So, uh, and that respect has been a little bit thinner as far as the rest of the practice can be quite honest with you it, it's really really similar which i think is was part of the point i mean you know they, they play pretty much the same music uh understand man notwithstanding and the the uh the spacing on the fields is a little bit different which actually makes it a little harder to, to sort of take it all in but other than that i mean the practice is formatted the same uh, they usually start off with a physical drill whether it's the the knoll drills uh the, that i think everybody really likes so they did kind of a straight up oklahoma drill the other day uh Sometimes they do a like a you know a do something drill. I think is what they've called it, which is kind of a one on one goal line type situation, ball carrier versus a defender. And uh, I know Willie Taggart likes to start things off physically. I think kind of especially in the morning, you know, starting off that way, maybe shakes the cobwebs loose for any of those guys, and then it sort of sets the tone uh, for what follows. But overall, I mean, it's it's pretty similar. Like I said, they start that way, then they do 
uh, you know, this this staff, they love to do a lot of teamwork, a lot of seven on seven, a lot of eleven on eleven, and and uh, and guys going against each other. And so uh, it's, it's been pretty consistent uh, across the board, both uh, here in Bradenton and in Tallahassee. What have you heard about off the field team building? We we heard that going down there, there's been some time to do that, but. We're not quite certain what the kids are doing when they're not uh, in the pads. Can you enlighten a little bit? Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty good. They, you know, they, it's really, it's, uh, it, it, it has the feel of a business trip. I, I know that uh, there was talk today of, uh, of doing some uh, some extracurricular type stuff, and I uh, I think the uh, the team opted to just uh, to stay back and, and either rest up or, or keep working as they chose to. Uh, but I mean, it's it's kind of the same as it would be in, in campus. I think they're spending more time together. Um, and you know, they're, when when they go home, they're still with each other. And I guess a lot of players in Tallahassee are too. But they're, they're not doing stuff, uh, you know, really outside of football. From uh, from best I can tell, uh, and it's uh, I think it's just sort of uh, you know, building through osmosis, if you will. You know, they're like I said, they're all uh, together at all times, eating together, sleeping. I mean, you know, all all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, in that respect, I think it's been good. But I mean, it's, it's it just really hasn't been a. Uh, a vacation type of trip. I mean, you, you, you're, you're tempted to kind of, you know, in a way, it, it almost kind of feels like a bowl trip. But uh, but all that stuff that uh, that you would have, uh, you know, like the, the jet skis or what have you, there there really hasn't been any of that. Well, that's because the bowl trips at the end of the season, and you're not going to get sure. too far sure. off uh, off base right now during training camp. I want to go back to the freshman class a little bit, Tim, and I don't want to put the cart too far in front of the horse because they've got to play some games. But the and and. To be fair, every year at this time, we talk about how good a freshman looks, and we haven't played a game yet. But that said, considering that Willie took over in mid-December before the first ever early signing period, it feels like this class could shape up really as a, a, a be, even a better-than-its-ranking class, which I think its ranking was number 10. Am I making too much of that? I mean, do we just need to let this play out? Uh, no, I don't think so, uh, well, especially when you look at some of the top-end guys. I mean, Gaden would be. Uh, is a you know, blue chip prospect, uh, you know, by any service, and uh, and I mean he's going to play. You know, I mean they really like him in that star role, that sort of hybrid linebacker, uh, defensive back role. Well, that guy's going to play. Those freshman wide receivers, Warren Thompson, uh, Treshawn Harrison. I mean those guys are going to play. Uh, they're going to have to. So I mean I think that uh, you know I mean, yeah they, they, they're going to have an opportunity. Uh, and if I think if Florida State is going to be as good as they want to be, they're going to get have to get contributions from at least some of those guys. Uh, and so if you have that opportunity to take advantage of it, yeah, I don't have any reason to think that, that this group couldn't be, you know, better than its ranking, so to speak. Um, and then, look, it is still a, you know, a pretty good ranking. Um, now, you know, I'm curious to see how all those DBs will fit in because, uh, you know, we got really can't say enough. I mean, I've been impressed at times with, with AJ Litton and Isaiah Bolden and Asante Samuel. They've all looked really good, uh, in spurts going and going up against some of those, some more experienced receivers, but, uh, we also know that Florida State's pretty crowded uh, in that backfield and has a lot of uh, a lot of experience and a lot of talent. So how they utilize those guys is going to be pretty interesting to me because I do think they're going to you know, try to find some way to get some of those, those players in the field. Tim, one of the things you always worry about in camp is injuries. And I know we've got some kids that are continuing to finish up rehab for surgeries that missed spring and some other things, but it's been a pretty clean camp so far. Still early, but Florida State's been lucky so far. Well, I was actually thinking about that today, uh, watching, you know, a few little things here and there, and guys certainly sore after practice, and, you know, a few moments you go, oh, is, oh, is he okay? Yeah, 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 he's fine up and moving around. Uh, but, no, they really have been, uh, I mean, I guess fortunate in that regard. Um, you know, we always knock on wood, and, and maybe don't want 
don't want to say too much about it, but uh, but no, it's been uh, it's, it's been really good, and, and so far from watching everybody who uh, who began as a, as a full participant, just about all of them are uh, are still doing just fine. Last question for this segment, then we'll come back. I want to drill deeper on the defense, but along the, the injury line, uh, Nooney's not quite back full yet. I mean, just update us on Nooney, DJ Matthews, and I guess uh, Big Marv on the defensive line. Like Nooney is definitely making progress. Uh, you know, I saw him out there in the blue non-contact jersey the other day. He was doing some work in team drills, uh, getting involved, which was good to see because I think in the first week he was out there and moving around, and uh, but he hadn't gone up against like a defense, you know, and he seemed to make that step this week and taking steps forward and, and he looks honestly just, just fantastic. If you didn't know that he was coming off an injury, I don't think that you would know it by watching him. His cuts are smooth, his routes are sharp, and he's probably the most sure handed receiver on the team right now, which is really good in that regard. Uh probably a little, a little further I've seen more of him than I have of uh of DJ Matthews. I haven't seen him get involved as, as much. He is out there, he is dressed out, he is in pads, uh, he gets his work in, but you know, it probably would be more accurate to say that he's closer now to where Nooney was a week ago. So still some time there. Uh, and then Marvin Wilson, uh, yeah, just today saw him get more work in. He usually uh, worked in the individual drills, individual portion of practice, but today seemed to take a few steps forward and, and get involved in some of the other position drills and, and get involved more with some of his teammates. So uh, more strides in that regard, too. But still participating, still out there. Uh, the, you know, the degree of what they do uh, you know, is, isn't, isn't quite there as, as they would be, I think, if they were all fully healthy. Uh, but the fact that they're all there dressed out full pads, that sort of thing, uh, is a good sign. Tim, off topic, but do you have a dog? I do. And Keith, I know you have dogs, and I just want to point out that our good friends at Madison Social, in honor of National Dog Day on August 26th, they're hosting a dog crawl with Centralian Township. The crawl includes three drinks for uh, the dog owner and three treats for the dog. I mean, does it get better than that? I don't know what no you got. No drinks for the dog? Well, I mean, you can you could have the dog treats and give the dog the drinks, however you want to handle your pets, Keith. Just checking. All right, we'll come back, continue our conversation with our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, as Front Row Knowles rolls on. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, KJ is on the road. Tim Linnefeld is as well with the Florida State football team. He is our Seminoles.com insider. Tim, what you've been working on on Seminoles.com? You obviously have uh, been bunkered up with the team for some time this week. Uh, plenty of stuff there. Daily practice reports that are uh, that are, are pretty packed uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of little vignettes from uh, from camp. A lot of updates from from Willie Taggart after uh, after practice every day, as well as perspectives from coaches and players. Uh, kind of making the laps of, uh, of, of things, uh, all the comings and goings here uh, here in Bradenton. Uh, we've got some from the first few days of camp. Another one going up here. Uh, a little bit, and another thing I'm working on is just uh, getting in touch with each coach, and, and they've all talked about it a little bit, but uh, probably in one place, kind of how they all got to Florida State, their stories, their backgrounds, and fully tagger, what made them want to come here, uh, the process of, of leaving their old jobs and getting here. Uh, some of those guys have some pretty fascinating stories, so that'll be up uh, in the next day or so as well. As a as a, another aside, how are the facilities at IMG? I've never been there and taken a tour. I imagine they're top shelf. Yeah, no, they're uh, they're they uh, they look pretty good. Um, I certainly 
know, listening to uh, to Willie Taggart talk, it's uh, got everything you need to uh, to hold a practice and do what they need to do. So uh, in that respect, uh, it's been uh, it's been good. Keith, what he's really saying is that they're in better situation now than during your playing days. Uh, there is no question that uh, Coble Terrace has been uh, completely surpassed as a uh, appropriate place for football players to lay their head down. There is no question. <laughs> uh, Tim, I'm, I'm interested in um, how you think the media, ha- you talked uh, earlier about there being some Bay Area folks there and maybe not as many of the Tallahassee folks, but uh, how the media adjusted to this uh, being away for four or five days? Uh, you know, it seems to be okay. Uh, you know, I think Sports writers, uh, by nature, aren't really uh, early morning creatures. So I think, uh, in that respect, it's been a bit of an adjustment. Although, you know, had some practice with it in the spring, uh, and you know, being away, I think some uh, some outlets have taken shifts. You know, one guy will be here for a couple days, uh, then another guy will come down. You know, a few days later, or or what have you. But uh, and I think you know, there's other guys. I think there's some that have family in the area and whatever else. So you know, you come and then you you know you find a way to. To, uh, to make it work for you and maybe try to find something else to uh, make it worth your while at least uh, in terms of time and stories and whatever else uh, on another level and, and kind of, you know, at least, at least if you're me, try to embrace it as, a, as an opportunity to see something different, break up the, uh, the usual grind of fall camp and, and kind of get a different backdrop on things. Tim, I want to dive into the defense uh, as promised here. And you mentioned the DBs. I feel like the cliff notes on the defense right now is – Everybody loves the the defensive backs because there's a plethora of them and they're really good. And the defensive line, there's confidence that it's going to be good. And Brian Burns may be all world based on what we're hearing. But there still seems to be a lot of question marks about linebackers. I mean, is that a fair characterization of where we are or is that, is that unfair now to, to what we've seen out there so far? I think it's fair just because, again, anytime a, a, a group that has three starters or two or three starters and you lose three starters uh, from last year's team, yeah, there's going to be question marks around it. They, what's weird, though, is they don't have a ton of experience at that, that group, but they kind of do. You know, Dontavis Jackson's been around for a little while. Donna Thomas has been around for a little while. Leonard Warren's been around for a little while. Uh, you know, you guys have guys that have at least, you know, practiced as college football players for a long time. But, I mean, there's no doubt that they're going to have to you know, show something that they haven't had to show before. I mean, all those guys have just been, uh, you know, reserves or you know, playing toward the end of games or whatever the case may be. And, and then they're going to just need to step up. Uh, and, and be productive starters. I mean, they they need Dontavious Jackson. I was actually writing a little bit about uh, when you guys called. I mean, they need him to have a really good year. Uh, they need to have you know he's an important player for them. I think he's a player that uh, that they think has the potential. Uh, it's just a matter of, of you know are you going to make it happen. I'm curious to see the, the two guys that I'm really interested in and, and how they fit in uh, both as as linebackers potentially and in the defense or the Kalen Brooks and then Jaden Woodby. I think they're both kind of working at that same. Uh, star spot, the hybrid linebacker safety type of spot. They, the staff, I think, really, really likes the Kalen Brooks. They've raised some eyebrows in the spring uh, to see him out there running with the first team defense so much. Uh, but here we are again in the fall, and, and he's doing it. I mean, I can tell you uh, that guy, uh, and I mean this as an absolute compliment. I mean, he plays with an attitude. He plays with an edge. Uh, I mean, he seems to kind of be in, in sort of a bad mood uh, when he's out on the practice fields, and you know he. As you might expect uh, from somebody who's the son of a Hall of Fame linebacker, he's a really clean tackler, always seems to be in the right place, really good at diagnosing plays, uh, and I think that, uh, that he's going to be you know, a, a pretty big-time contributor for them this fall. And, and just the other day, Willie Taggart said that Jaden would be a freshman. He's only you know, here in January. He's really only been here for eight or nine months. Uh, it's pushing him at that spot. And uh, we know Jaden would be pedigree, one of the top defensive back prospects 
uh, in the country for the, for the class of 2018. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm curious to see, you know, what, what are they going to do with him? Is he going to you know, move down in the box? Is he going to play back? So my guess is he'll probably do a little bit of everything when they figure out what he's best at. Uh, but those are kind of the wild cards, I think, at that position because uh, we just don't know what that role is going to be yet. But they're, I think they're going to play because, uh, again, when you look at that, uh, that depth chart, the sheer numbers they have at linebacker, uh, they're going to have a ton of guys. So they're all going to have to play. Tim, we fretted because of those numbers, but and we and we and we talked about all summer because of what happened in the spring. But, but have you seen? Is it a fair statement that the majority of snaps, Florida State's only going to have two linebackers on the field at any one time anyway? Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, again, I think it, it depends. You know what you consider the responsibilities of that position we were just talking about. If if, if that guy's going to be on the field a lot, and consider him to be more of a DB, then yeah, uh, I think that's probably accurate. Um, and you know what is that? What's it going to look like in games? Uh, you know, what, what, are, what are the you know? Is it going to be more of a linebacker? Or is it going to be more of a DC? But in a traditional sense, yeah, I think that's accurate. Our Seminoles dot com insider Tim Linnefelt. Tim, so they'll finish tomorrow and then come back. Uh, do they get another day off or get right back at it on Friday? Or no, was... right, right back at it. They'll uh, they'll practice Thursday morning. Uh, bus back to Tallahassee. Practice Friday afternoon. Then a team scrimmage on Saturday. So uh, a lot lot coming up in the next few days. And then uh, media and fan day coming up on Sunday. A, a, a scrimmage on Saturday, is that a, a morning scrimmage? I believe so, but I'm not, not quite sure. Gotcha. Let me ask you the uh, the question that nobody's asked so far. How do the kickers look? What do we got there? Let's talk special teams. Are we, oh, are we punting well or are we, are we splitting the uprights? What's going on? You know what? Uh, Ricky Aguayo had a really, really nice day today. I don't think I saw him miss a kick, and then he put a pretty nice punctuation mark on things today that the team worked on two-minute drills uh, at the end of practice, and it ended with Ricky uh, – making a field goal with, with less than a minute left. I'm not sure the exact yard, but I know it was more than 50 yards. Uh, went straight through the uprights and, and had everybody uh, really happy and cheering. And, you know, I see him, you know, from what I've been able to tell, uh, Logan Tyler was good. You know, usually when, when they're punting, um, I've, uh, I've been paying more attention to the returners. Uh, but, but at least this week at IMG, I mean, everything seems to be pretty normal, uh, pretty straight. Uh, you know, looks like he's doing pretty well there and, and making some strides. And I tell you what, man, when he gets a hold of one, and we saw this last year when, when Logan gets a hold of a punt, I mean, he really, really gets a hold of it. Uh, I mean, the, the leg is definitely there. I think the thing with him is just, you know, doing it consistently every single time. Do we have a feel yet for Taggart's philosophy on field goals? Uh, you know, are we going to kick 47 yarders if it's fourth and two? I mean, do we do we know the answer to that? I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's not really, you know, that type of situation. I mean, they, they work on field goals in practice, but as far as, like, in-game decisions, uh, we haven't had to really see that yet, at least not with, uh, with this year's group. And so, uh, that's one of the things I'm kind of curious about too. I think we all uh, are are hoping, and maybe it's wishful thinking, or maybe it's projecting, but thinking that he might be a little more aggressive in that regard. But we're guessing we're going to have to wait and go see. Well, real quickly, Tom talked about the kickers. What about the returners? Uh, it, it, again, it, it's it's that's one of the things that's really hard to tell because they they haven't gone live uh, in that respect. Well, I and mean, I, I, yet I can tell you, I saw Keith Gavin make a really nice kick return. Uh, today got up to speed, took off a few tackles, showed a little bit of everything. Had some, some vision, taking the right angle, uh, broke one tackle, used like a, like a spin move uh, to, to shake off another one, and just looked really good in that regard. But it's one that uh, you know, I don't know that, that it will know too terribly much uh, before they go live. Any final thoughts, Tim, as we let you go, so you can get back to the beach or whatever you're doing this evening? I mean, work, <laughs> working hard from your hotel room. I'm sorry. No, that's it. No, I, no, it's. it's been a really positive uh, experience, you know, in, in being uh, around some of the players. Uh, I mean, I think they've enjoyed it. Like I've heard more than a few guys say, 
uh, the, the fall camp has gone quickly, which I think is probably the best thing you can say as a player uh, in fall camp. And, and, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, with this first scrimmage coming up in uh, this weekend, you know, what does it look like? Uh, certainly, you know, I'll try to remember you know, what it looks like compared to scrimmages in the spring and previous fall, you know, fall camp scrimmages. Uh, where, where are they? And then you know, what will happen after that? I think that um, it's possible that we could see sort of the, the philosophies and, and, and the, the rep distribution, like I was saying, I think that could change uh, based on what happens these next few days. Tim, excellent stuff. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work, safe travels, and uh, make sure you wear some sunscreen out there since you're out in the heat of the day. Somebody's yeah, got to yeah, do it, though. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, I bought more sunscreen the last week than I have in the last five years. Well, you're Seminoles.com insider. We'll see if we can get you an endorsement on that trail, too, now that we're practicing. Got you out there in the, in the hot sun. Uh, Keith, I'm going to let you go as well. Uh, you know, I know you've you've probably got people to see and places to go wherever it is you are right now. So I appreciate it as always. Thanks for mailing it in, huh? Hey, I'm just counting the minutes and trying to add it up on the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline and uh, see if I went over and need to owe anybody anything. Uh, understand the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, uh, ensuring your future together. Tim, KJ, thank you guys much. We will uh, continue, at least I will, with Front Row Knowles. Uh, the head soccer coach of Florida State, Mark Corian, will join me momentarily. Later in the program, Jason Dennard from Florida State Athletics Marketing. We'll talk about a lot of the changes that are going on. There's a team walk. The team's going to sing the fight song after victories. A lot of big stuff in store at Doak. That conversation is straight ahead. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. And for better or worse, it's actually just Tom as we gave KJ the rest of the evening off since he's on the road. Uh, we'll get back to football talk in, uh, in just a little bit and talk about some of the changes uh, in store uh, via Jason Jason Dennard from uh, Florida State Athletics Marketing in, in just a little bit. But the soccer season for the Seminoles begins tomorrow. Uh, if you follow soccer at all, you know that Florida State is perennially one of the top teams in the country. Uh, this year will be no different. Matter of fact, they've got a freshman class that is really, really top shelf. And a schedule that's perhaps, uh, not perhaps, I think it is the best uh, that they've ever put together, particularly at home. And uh, that is where I started my conversation with uh, longtime head coach Mark Krikorian. It's, it just lined up properly for us this year, you know, with uh, all of the usual suspects that we play that are very good to add into that, uh, of course, the UCLA-USC weekend and Vanderbilt coming here and so on. I think we've got uh, a heck of a schedule, heck of a home schedule as well, and uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. Obviously, you align your schedule with what you think you have in terms of talent and the team coming back, and your team is always very, very good. This year, it seems like there's maybe a little bit more senior um, presence than what there has been in recent years, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that seems like a good starting place when I look at your roster. Yeah, you know, each of the last two years, we graduated uh, two players that were in the starting 11 that were seniors, so um, I think each of those teams were a little bit younger, and this year, I think we have... uh, uh, a wealth of experience and talent, and um, we've got some very good kids coming in as well. So we should have some uh, pretty good depth, too. 
I'm always curious, and you this plays out during the season, but I know it's playing out during the preseason, how you balance sort of the in-and-out nature of, of kids going to play for their home countries or playing in other tournaments. In other words, you don't always have a full deck when, when you're out there at practice or in your game. Yeah, you know, interna- international duty is really a, a tough one to try and manage because um, you know, the, the players come and they go, and, you know, we're very fortunate to have players that are national team players. We feel very good about that, but we also have to respect the fact that they represent their country and they have that opportunity. So it can be a little bit challenging, but the other side of that is it gives other kids opportunities. So when the kids are called away for national team duty, that gives someone else a chance to get some playing time and helps to uh, build the depth that we're looking for. I have some specific players I want to ask you about, but before I do that, I'm going to give the stage to you and say, where would you start if I ask you for who has to you know, be your key players and your big leaders this year? I mean, who is it that you're really looking to? Well, I think that probably Natalia Koika, the captain, is uh, going to, to be very influential, very important to us. Uh, she's a, a seasoned player with a great deal of experience, both here and uh, for playing for Finland. Uh, uh, last year, she was recognized as the best player in Finland, uh, which is a heck of an honor for a young player. Um, And I think that we'll probably look to her to uh, provide a great deal of leadership, but it doesn't stop there. We have a lot of kids that uh, have a great background in the game, some of which uh, have a a bigger reputation than others, but uh, I think there's a lot of players that are going to step in and they're going to contribute right away. Uh, Kids that have been here in the past, it's nice to get uh, both McFarland and Malia Berkeley back uh, from injury from last year, and uh, you know they they've come back extremely fit, uh, excited to play, polished, and ready to go. So, you know, throwing those two back into the mix, they were big losses for us last year, not being available to us. Um, but our back line will be athletic and, and solid. I think in the midfield we have a great deal of quality and a great deal of depth um, all over the place, and. Uh, probably the same for the front line. So the 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 biggest um, a difference for us will be we'll have a freshman goalkeeper. You know we've had uh, the luxury of Cassie Miller for uh, the last um, four years here, and uh, obviously led us to the national championship, but also played an extremely high level for for her whole time here. But we have an equally uh, exciting goalkeeper with Brooke Bollinger, knowing that you know her upside may be even bigger than what Cassie and uh, Kelsey Weiss. Uh, upsides were so it'll be interesting to see how she adjusts uh, thrown into the fire from the, from the beginning do you adjust your philosophy or emphasis on defense as you break in a new keeper or do you literally just say this is what we're doing so you better ramp up well i think that you know mike bristol's as good of a goalkeeper coach as there is in the country and uh, you know um, brooke was here last year as a red shirt um, you know kind of sitting behind and studying under cassie and i think that she has um, you know an awful lot of information a lot of preparation uh, leading into the season so we're not going to make too many adjustments for her but uh, i think her teammates know that she's going to be a, a freshman in the goal uh, playing her first college games and that it could be uh, you know a little bit um, you know exciting but uh, uncertain to start so she'll i, I think that she's uh, she's going to have a great season and great career um, but um, you know the first time you get out there and play it's always a, a little bit different let me ask you about Dana now, and you know we're six or seven questions in before I bring up Dana Castellanos. Can you contextualize how talented she is for a non-soccer fan who's not aware of what kind of presence has been on your team and is on campus right now? Well, I think that you know with Dana, she's she's a special talent. She's a special kid too. 
Um, I think it goes back to, you know, Tom, I don't know about you, but I don't have 1.2 or 1.3 million Twitter followers or Instagram followers or whatever it is that she has. Um, so trying to conceive of all that it is to, to kind of go through that and dealing with the celebrity that she has, I think it's it's hard for us to understand that. But she's an extremely nice young woman. Um, her talent uh, speaks for itself. Uh, she's capable of scoring magnificent goals. She's capable of making her teammates better. You know, she has a very, very bright future in the game and then beyond the game as maybe uh, one day she'll work with you as, an, as a broadcaster. Uh, but, um, you know, she's, uh, she's a big talent. We're very fortunate to have her here, and um, I think that she's going to help us. Her ceiling's well beyond me, just for the record. <laughs> um, she was at the World Cup uh, earlier this summer, and and you mentioned all the social media followers she has. There has to have been a residual effect just from getting the name Florida State out there internationally. Uh, I mean, when you talk about the stages that she's been on, uh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think that uh, you know Dana does a great job of balancing all of the different elements, and uh, again for. Most of us, we can't fully understand all of it is that all of it is that she's dealing with. But I think that she very much enjoys her time in Tallahassee. I think she likes her teammates. I think she loves being here at the school and representing the school. But I also think that um, you know there are some other avenues that are open to her that uh, now she's able to take advantage of to go and be the guest of FIFA to. Uh, be promoting women's soccer around the world at the Men's World Cup. It's uh, in fact, it's a fantastic uh, uh, opportunity and a great experience for her. And uh, watching some of the interviews that she did with some of the different uh, folks, I think she did a great job. And, you know, she was dealing with legends of the game on the men's side and uh, st- standing there having conversation with them and uh, representing herself and Florida State in the most professional manner. So I think it was it was great for us, great for the school, and certainly great for her. I'll wrap up here momentarily, but first from a big-picture standpoint, the FSU is celebrating the 50th year of women's athletics this year, and you also have a former star player that's going into the FSU Athletics Hall of Fame here in just a couple of weeks. Uh, just uh, your, your thoughts on, on both of those. They happen to align in the same year. Well, of course, uh, throughout the country we're seeing all kinds of um, fantastic um, improvements uh, for for women, opportunities for women uh, here at Florida State. I think that our athletic program is probably as good as anywhere in the country in providing opportunities for our women. Uh, certainly, we're all still celebrating our softball team's national championship, and uh, you know, beach volleyball playing in the national final, and uh, you know, all of the great things that went on. Our women's tennis team having another great year, and uh, women's golf being great. So. I think here at uh, Florida State, all of us are celebrating the fact that uh, the women and the men are, are doing an exceptional job and uh, continuing to be successful in the classroom and uh, in the community. But uh, for us, having Mami Yamaguchi uh, have the opportunity to go into the Hall of Fame is uh, it's great. I mean, she was the most accomplished female soccer player we've ever had here. Uh, she won the Herman Trophy, which is the equivalent of the Heisman, as you know, and um, I feel very fortunate that I was able to coach her and work with her and uh, see her in her development, watch her graduate and uh, move into uh, adulthood. And uh, she's just a great young woman, and I'm thrilled for her. And then bringing it back to this year's team, you opened the season 
tomorrow night. What needs to happen for this team to realize its potential this year? What do you need to see as the season unfolds for this team to be as good as it can be, whatever that may be? And, and, and I guess what is the ceiling, too? Well, the goal, of course, never changes. We want to play in the end of the season. We want to have a chance to compete for a national championship. And uh, I think that... Um, you know, we have an awful lot of the elements that are necessary to be successful and play late in the season. Um, we have to keep the group healthy. We have to continue to improve and get better on a daily basis. Uh, I have absolutely no uh, uncertainty about the work ethic of the team. They're going to work hard every single day. Uh, their level of concentration and focus throughout preseason has been excellent. Uh, and as I said, we have very talented players and we have a great deal of depth. So if uh, we as a coaching staff can best utilize all of these players managing through the international call-ups and, uh, and uh, the difficult schedule that we have, keeping everyone healthy and, and safe, then I think our potential is quite good. Best of luck, Coach. Thank you, Tom. Head coach Mark Krikorian from the FSU soccer team. He's got a loaded deck. I think he really likes his squad this year. They open tomorrow night against Vanderbilt. That's at home at 7, and then they host Troy on Sunday. Uh, end of the month, though, and into September, they get USC, UCLA, Florida, back-to-back-to-back. All those programs have won national titles. And then North Carolina comes in. Something like uh, 25 of the 35 national champions in, uh, in women's NCAA soccer play in there or represented by those teams coming to Tallahassee this year. We'll step aside and bounce it back to football. We'll get Jason Dennard uh, dialed in, talk about some of the cool things that are happening uh, around Florida State football this year, including a team walk on the way into Doe Campbell Stadium a couple of hours before the games. We'll enlighten you on that momentarily here on Front Row Knowles. I was flying. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. The football conversation continues. I will remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project, go see the good folks at uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. They'll take care of uh, all your needs. Uh, Ron and his knowledgeable staff do a great job. There's a couple of locations, 1110 Stuckey Avenue, also 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu, serving the Big Bend since 1995. We uh, go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to friend of the program, Jason Dennard, who's the Associate Athletics Director for New Revenue Generation and Marketing at uh, Florida State. J.D., how are you? I'm good, man. It's a great pleasure to be in your radio presence. Well, that is well said, and I didn't even feed you that line, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know, I sort of gave you a thumbnail on what we were going to talk about. It occurs to me that one thing I didn't mention that we should publicize is that Fan Day is coming up on uh, this Sunday. So uh, anything that the uh, the public needs to be aware of as it relates to Fan Day? That's a great call on your part. Well, that's why they pay you the big bucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, Fan Day is Sunday, and some things that will be a little different than what fans have come to, to notice in the past is we moved it back an hour this year, so it starts at 1.00 and it'll go to 3 o'clock, and the biggest change, other than a new football staff, is that the Civic Center is going to operate by using metal detectors, so everybody that comes in through the Civic Center for this event and for every basketball event coming forward will have to pass through one of those things, and so it's done for safety purposes, obviously, so just something for people to note as they're making their plans uh, to come up this Sunday. 
Okay, good to know, and I'm, I'm glad you shared that because that will be a change for people who aren't accustomed to it. Uh, shortly after that, I mean, uh, what what are we, a couple of weeks away from, from Virginia Tech and the big stage that is Labor Day night? Um, so I guess that's the obvious place to start. The, the stars have sort of aligned here. you got a, a really quality opponent. You've got national television. You've got the start of a new head coaching era. And then you went and added to it because you're bringing back uh, Bowden and Beamer and you got Peter Warwick being honored. I mean, you're pretty much pulling out all the stops for this show on that night. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we could have added another thing to this to this game. It's, it's got a big game feel to it. And, I mean, to be completely honest, it kind of is very similar. It reminds me of the 2012 game against Oklahoma where there's just it was some, there was something about that game that everybody just – the aura of that game just kind of – it all came together. Um, and it just signaled things to come, and I'm, we're excited about it. There's so much ready to go for that game and new traditions that we're adding and, and, and embracing the ones that we've had in the past and having Coach Bowden and retiring Peter Ward's jersey at the halftime ceremony. So, yeah, we're, we're very excited. I don't want to pin you down, but might the highlights before Peter is, is honored include something from, say, the Sugar Bowl against Virginia Tech after the 99 season? You know, it's funny. When we sat out, when we first decided that we were going to actually go ahead and, and retire his jersey, we talked about what game was it going to happen. I was like, there's no question what game it has to happen. It has to happen at Virginia Tech, and we're going to do it, and we're going to show those highlights throughout the game. I wouldn't have it any other way. That's that's the way it should be. And uh, P-Dub, I, I share this story often because I, you know, I run into guys like that a couple times a year on the sideline, and uh he becomes more and more of a fan uh, as time goes on. I mean, he, he's as proud of what's going on on the field and as vested as, as all the hardcore fans are. It's always cool to see something like that. Um, you know, there, there was a period where Coach Bowden wasn't as involved, and now with Coach Taggart, that page has been turned, uh, and it seems like there's – well, it doesn't seem like there is a bridge for Bobby to come back. So from where you sit, uh, that must be pretty neat to, to know that you can get a legend involved as, and he's going to be a captain uh, along with uh, Frank Beamer, a legend for Virginia Tech folks for this game that night. Yeah, you know, I think Coach Bowden feels comfortable. I mean, he – you know, I, every time that we ask Coach to come around the program, it's not really a phone call. It's Coach going and sitting down at, at Coach's house and, and talking to him one-to-one and they've they've got a great relationship from what we've seen and obviously having coach Andrews back in the fold too I mean it's just it's hit every emotion you could dial up for um for this this new coaching staff and the fan base and I think we all feel it and it feels genuine and we we're very appreciative of everything that's going on and how the fans have really embraced everything you know there's a lot of talk about how Taggart has has sort of brought back the old, if you will, and he's connected us to the the dynasty days. Mickey Andrews is in a you know an honorary, uh, more than honorary, really, in his role from when I've seen him in the practice field. But but Bobby's back. P Dub is coming back. But really, I, I think we've kind of glossed over some of the new things that he's willing to embrace. Uh, he being Coach Taggart, one of them being a team walk, which is something that other schools do uh, here in the South and around the country, but Florida State has not. So. Uh, tell us, uh, share what that will be, and and I imagine obviously if you're going to start it, it's going to become a tradition before every game. Yeah, we one of the first things he talked about when we sat down when he came our head coach is he said, you know, he wanted to really embrace the the past and 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 the tr- rich traditions that we have. I and mean, he watched from afar for many years, as much of us all did too. And he he said, I, "Do we have a walk here?" 
And the answer to that at the time was no. He says, well, we need to start one. So we sat out to try to find the best possible way to in place to do it. And, you know, he liked it. And now it's going to turn into one of our traditions. And that, that decision led to some other new traditions that we're going to be doing too. So that whole area around the legacy or the heritage fountain area over there between Hauser and Dick and, uh, at Dick Hauser stadium and, uh, Doe Campbell stadium is really going to become a magnet for game day activity between the legacy walk, the new tailgates that we're doing over there where people can, you know, get a tailgate along the walk area. And then, you know, last year we started the Coca-Cola tailgate where people could come and buy a tailgate and they let us do all the work. You know, we just, you just show up and, we give you the food, we give you the entertainment, and you just come and have fun. So we're just trying to make the environment as friendly and easy as possible. And um, so everything is just really coming together in a really nice way. Some of this may still be being worked out logistically, but where is the – what? how long before the game and where specifically will the team be dropped off? And then I guess they're just going in – uh, right by the Seminole Sports Shop there and the University Center Club and Champions Club and going across the field into the locker room? Or what's the logistical flow of that? So what will happen is they'll, you know, the team stays locally at a hotel the night before so they can all get together and have their last-minute game plan. They'll leave that hotel and they'll come down and they'll come down through campus with police escort and sure fans who are tailgating will hear the sirens going and they will pull up directly there in front of the Heritage Fountain, right there across from where the FSU Circus is. They will unload there right by the fountain. They'll walk directly down the Legacy Walk and enter in through Gate K of the stadium, which is roughly the 50-yard line on the on the east side. And that'll be the new entry point for the team as they arrive. And we hope and we expect that we'll have a tremendous turnout every week, um, but especially for the first one because it's, it's special. We're starting a new tradition, so we want to make sure that that place is as packed as possible and that these guys walk into that stadium seeing the mentality that the fans have that matches what theirs will be that day, and you know that means trouble for Virginia Tech. I'm going to segue to the Chiefs here momentarily, but they do a skull session over at Dick Hauser Stadium before games. Are they involved in this in this legacy walk at all, or is that still being worked out? Yeah, they'll be involved in it as well. They're going to basically – be right there to greet the team as they get off the buses too. So that'll be one of the first things that they see. And I'll tell you, I mean, Tom, you, you ride on these buses for away trips as well, but there's nothing like pulling up to the stadium and seeing a mass of people waiting on you doing the chop and, and, and just seeing the, the reactions on their faces, the kids on the team, the coaches, they, they thrive off that stuff. So I can't overstate how much that means to the team when they see that. Yeah, it, it's cool, and I'm, I'm glad that, that Florida State is starting this. So I mentioned the Marching Chiefs and uh, a, a couple of points here, one of them being that uh, there was a lot of play when this got out a couple of weeks ago that there's going to be a DJ involved or on the field at Doak, um, and there was concern about is the DJ going to overshadow the Marching Chiefs. So uh, you know, share what you can about how that will work uh, as we move forward. Yeah, so we made that decision because we wanted to better coordinate efforts between what they do and, and the music that we've traditionally played. So um, for the first time in probably 14 years, I'm taking the radio DJ headset off as the DJ for Doe Campbell Stadium and passing it on to someone else. And so they'll be in the south end zone right there in front of the Marching Chiefs area on the field. And we'll be able to communicate better with, with the folks that are, are doing things for the marching chiefs and 
there's going to it's it's just it's a better operation. Um, it'll allow them to to play to we you know our rule has always been for the Martian Chiefs to play as much as you want, and and whenever you're not playing, we're going to fill time around you. But um, the really the other than the coordination element of it, the other part that may be a little different is, you know, the pregame is going to be a little bit different for the team on the field. We want to make sure we get them in the right mindset. As you've seen um, through some of the spring practices and some of the ones in the fall, one of the motivators that, that, you know, the coaching staff uses is music. And we want to make sure that, you know, we follow what they, you know, what they do in practice. We're going to do something similar during the pregame as the team's warming up. And, you know, once we get into the game, it's going to be business as usual. Except after the game, it won't be business as usual. And this is what I'm maybe most excited about of all the things we just talked about. And that is that uh, after games, after wins, the team is going to go over. And I know the folks, uh, David Plack and Dr. Dunnigan with the Marching Chiefs, they've wanted to do this for some time. And Coach Taggart uh, is on board. And so now uh, the team is going to go over and sing the fight song, just as the women's basketball team and I guess some other athletic teams do after games. And that's just really cool that that's going to happen. It is. And I'll tell you, it's 100% credit to coach Taggart. It was his idea. Um, he wanted to do it. He, he said that starting in the, as we were going and getting ready for the spring game, he actually said it. So credit to him. He's very, as you've not all can attest to, he's very in tune with what's going on and what, you know, the traditions that we have and new ones that he wants to start. And you, you can just feel that it's very genuine. Everything you know, he, he really embraces Florida State, and it's 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 something that is, has been a breath of fresh air, and we really appreciate it. We've only got about a minute left, a minute and a half, J.D. Uh, Friday night block party actually starts on Sunday night this year, so tell us who's going to be in before the Virginia Tech game and sort of some of the highlights uh, over the course of the season. Sure. So the guy that we're having for the Sunday night block party to lead off the, the season against Virginia Tech, is his name is Walker Hayes. He was actually scheduled to play for us last year when we were playing Miami, but we got hit with a hurricane. We rescheduled him, and it actually worked out better for us because he's really done some things since that date. He's actually doing the Today Show on Friday before he plays for us on Sunday. He's flying in from New York from the Today Show to come play for us at Collegetown. So it's a really good thing for us. And then, you know, we've got the normal up and coming lineup that we have every year, but you're your favorite, or I should say your wife's favorite, the Yacht Rock Review for Parents Weekend against uh, Northern Illinois, which I can't wait for that one. That's going to be my favorite weekend of the year. It's going to be fantastic, and it's all free. There you go. Great job, uh, J.D. We're up against it, but uh, I, I know it's busy season for you and everybody at the Moore Athletic Center. Keep up the good work, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Tom. Jason Dennard from Florida State Athletics. Uh, a lot of changes on tap, a lot of positive energy around the program, as you folks know. Uh, I'm talking about the football program. I don't know how much positive energy we have around this particular program, but hopefully enough that you'll tune in again next Wednesday when Keith is back in the saddle. Uh, for Keith and our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Lenefeld, as well as Coach Krikorian and Jason Gendered, uh, Tom Block saying so long until next week. Thanks for tuning in. Just stay.